Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is useless to resist. Don't let yourself destroy it. There's only one hit. There is no escape. Don't make me destroy you. What happened to your father? Obi-Wan never told you. I don't think Joss Whedon knew his actual name either, to be to be fair to you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember the names of people I, that I, didn't I killed. I realize I would be arguing with uh, Thomas about that. What kind of tea do you want, Kevin? Um, what do you have? Many things. <laughs> Tell me what you want, and I'll let you know if we have Uh, I'll take a mint or a chamomile. Yeah, or, we got peppermint. Yeah. You like peppermint? That sounds great. Awesome. For once, we're starting the recording the podcast early backfired on me. Now we're starting <laughs> with a discussion about tea. <laughs> Would you like... Well, you did start in the middle of Jarosla discussing whether or not we had discussed a character. It's true. It's, it's true. not just a character. Oh it's my like, god, I don't care. He's <laughs> my husband. Okay. What? He's Agent your... Coulson's my husband. Agent Coulson is he your husband. He doesn't know that. Does, yeah, I was going to say, does Agent Coulson or Clark no. Gregg know no. of this? Clark I don't know really... this, and I am Jarosla's partner. So. <laughs> It's just the, it's just you're just dating a fiction or married to a fictional character. We're not so much married as it's a common law thing that the law doesn't know about either. <laughs> so no one is aware of this. I'm but it's true. I love Coulson. Is this like the Matrix? Can no one tell you about I you being married to Coulson? I brought this fictional character back from the dead single-handedly with hundreds of thousands other people, and thus somehow we are married. <laughs> so wait, is Agent Coulson married to everyone who tagged Coulson lives? Because that's going to be a long list. Only if you list. call dibs, which I did. Kevin, uh, <laughs> do you want all hot water or some hot water and some cold water or maybe an ice Man, this is getting dead. I'd love a mixture. I can, <laughs> I can just hang around. <laughs> I, I take tea very seriously. I appreciate it. Thank you, that. Master Splinter. I, uh, I have such a hard time with hot And Iroh. Iroh. That's yeah. what I was going for. You have such a hard time with... with hot liquids, like soups and teas. Oh, God, yeah. Coffee and that kind of stuff. And I guess I'll scooch one over. That makes uh, sense. Because then we can fit the Jairus. That's, that's the, oh. that's the I wasn't sure if there was going to be a cat in that chair. Or not I, I love that, that <laughs> there's this hairy thing and the people on the podcast don't know what it is. <laughs> Get this walking carpet out of my way. <laughs> oh, Oh, that trailer. Oh, that trailer. How did the podcast start already? Oh, yeah, we started like 10 minutes ago. Oh, man. (laughs) I guess I should have stopped cursing then. Why the fuck would you do that? (laughs) Curse away, please. Drop all the F-bombs you fucking want. Well, fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Like, I might have to fucking go indoors because they fucking can't find the fucking person who's supposed to do the audio and it's not my fucking job, but I might have to do it anyway because I know how. I'm so sorry. Yeah. That
That's a, <laughs> no content, only fucks. Yes. Uh, Many fucks. They given. tried that in porn, but as it turns out, you need some content. <laughs> I disagree, sir, oh. and I've been on the internet. <laughs> oh, I totally. I, I don't. That's, no, by the way, that, favorite... by the way, that is a summation of my last two days. I oh, disagree, no. sir, no, and no, I've no, been no, on no, the no, internet. Yes, that is true. Got Someone you. is wrong on the internet. <laughs> One of my favorite cards in Cards Against Humanity will always have to be the thin veneer of causality that underlines porn. I love that somehow <laughs> plot, ju- plot just becomes this, like, thin veneer of causality. Like, okay, I guess we're doing this now. A couple of years yeah, ago, they did a, like, full-on Lord of the Rings, like, style um, porn movie called Pirates. It's supposed to be, like, the most expensive oh, yeah. porn ever made. And, like, uh, had, like, a plot and writing yeah, and, like, yeah. costumes. I, I, I saw some yeah. of that. Um, I never actually watched it. I always not wondered. all that worth it? I can like, imagine. In a certain way, you can do porn well, and you can do a... Mo- Here, do you want me to... You can stay. Right. So you can do porn well, well, and you can write a good story, but there isn't a lot of room to do both. And it was also very professional porn. (laughs) So if you don't like professional porn, like you know, bad acting and a lot of makeup, um, and guys who look like they don't have two um, brain cells to rub together. (laughs) <laughs> did you uh, did you have a lot of friends who got out of film school and immediately were like we're gonna start shooting porn because good experience and naked chicks? Uh, I had three or four. I had I had none of them that did it. Um, I I had a couple people that are offered and because they were offered it and I started thinking about it and then I I asked a couple of my good friends like would it be like selling my soul or doing something bad if I jumped into this and they're like well if you're asking that question the answer is probably no like yeah. already you know. Uh, the thing was is that it just it was it was paying really well when yeah. you were getting paid it, too well. So. Yeah, I, I turned down several gay porn debt editing jobs in my freelance days because I just uh, didn't. Mike, really... you could have been buried in cocks. <laughs> Man, you could have been like the cock superstar. <laughs> you could have been... I could have I could have edited the Kaka Sutra part one, two, and three. <laughs> it's true. Uh, you have you a brand could... for yourself. Yeah. You could have done the Jurassic Park Cockasaurus. <laughs> Speaking of Jurassic Park, do you guys see the trailer for the new one? Yes. Um, the most recent. I have to say that story sounds really fascinating. Even and I'm willing to accept a conspiracy of dinosaurs. I I think it's going to be a bad movie, but in a way that I will enjoy. Here's how (laughs) I know it's going to be bad. The dinosaur that's doing all this looks like a rubber suit, like the the snaggle tooth (laughs) thing. Like you could have made something that looks like an engineer built it and not like uh, but a Hollywood designer designed something to look scary yeah exactly <laughs> although it's... that actually now that I think about it that kind of fits um, the, what they're doing um, in that they are they, because they, the design fun, right? was well the dinosaur was created to attract new people to the park so they probably would have tried to design it to look like oh, something like a Hollywood designer would design scary. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am kind of intrigued by this conspiracy of dinosaurs thing where like if, if you don't know at one point the big the this what's the dinosaur called? The big white dino. I don't okay. Know. The great the, white hope. Cash cow. Yeah. <laughs> this big dinosaur screams at a bunch of pterodactyls, and in the next scene in the trailer, we see pterodactyls tearing into the uh, the sort of. At, at one uh, point, one of the characters tent. yells, "They're communicating!" It, right. Yeah. And I'm looking at this, and I have to say, that sounds like a holdout from when you were doing a movie about human dinosaur hybrids. The movie I kind of would have preferred to see. Uh, I would have preferred that movie if it was 
because the well, the initial pitch I heard for that movie was yeah. that it was human dinosaur hybrid commandos going on missions, and I would watch the shit out of oh that. Oh my movie. god! Like human <laughs> dinosaur hybrid commandos. I was like, that sounds horrible. Going on missions, like from their perspective. <laughs> oh my god! I want to see how they feel about a humanity that has created them only to destroy. <laughs> I want to know this. Do I, will I ever feel love, or will I only be a Triceratops man? No, no, not Triceratops man. Uh, Tricera Black Ops man. <laughs> Sorry. You know they'd Black have Ops. that too, like the, uh, the, they'd have the snappy, like, Velociraptor guy who's like the, the comeback the smoking badass, and then like yeah. the Triceratops is the huge, bulky, obviously meant to be black guy who like yeah. take and take hits, and like... And he and dies then, immediately. Oh yeah, and you have that one herbivore. No one knows what they're doing except they probably like why they built them. The herbivore is the like tech expert. Yeah, tech and hacking. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's probably the token girl too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I feel the girl's got to be the Tyrannosaurus Rex or the ter- or a pterodactyl. Oh yeah, to I run can more see by that. My oh, who does air support? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or she's oh. the demolition expert. Yes. Oh yeah. I kind of feel like you could be uh, air support and a demolitions expert, as witnessed by the Y wings in the Star Wars Battlefront trailer, which we saw at Star Wars Celebration, which is what the point of this podcast was supposed (laughs) to be. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just trying to keep you guys away from talking about the thing I couldn't do, which I don't feel jealous of. It's just this open, empty space of my heart that can never be filled. I'm so sorry for you that you missed sit, st- sitting in a room with Mark Hamill, I, Carrie Fisher, honestly, Peter yeah. Mayhew, Anthony I, Daniels, all the stars of the new movie, J.J. Abrams, that, and Captain that does Kennedy. Sound and cool. BB-8. So and maybe BB-8. we'll just do like a brain vomit and it'll fill the hole in your heart. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, honestly, <laughs> Let's talk about BB-8 actually because that was honestly the best part of that opening. Yes, so Kevin absolutely. and I got there on Wednesday night. Kevin was awesome enough oh, to... Oh, when they revealed he was an actual... Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh but Ke- Kevin was awesome enough to get in line on Wednesday for us um, and wait from like 9 p.m. the night before i think you were intending on leaving once we got there yes i was i was expecting you guys to uh hold the fort and i really needed a bed because i was at another convention for work yeah uh, for several days so <laughs> I, was, I was pretty exhausted it was uh it was close to that kind of like uh, that toys it's like nab it's a broadcast thing oh, and, okay. um so uh film equipment is a lot like pornography for us oh yes play with all the toys um a little less lube um hopefully no vibrating (laughs) um and uh and so when they came in around like 11 or 12 i was gonna hang out and say hi for a bit and then go back to bed and then i just kind of realized that i'm already here yeah I might as well just hang out a little bit longer, and so I slept a little bit, and I woke up, and I'm glad that I did, that I did stay, because when I woke up, there was like 3,000 more people, suddenly. Yeah. So. And you wouldn't have been able to yeah. get back in with us. Yeah. I, I, it, I I got there, and I was like, okay, I'm going to hang out and talk to Christopher and Kevin for a little bit, and then I'm going to see if I can get some sleep. And then standing wasn't comfortable, and sitting on the cement wasn't comfortable, so I just laid down on my travel pillow, and I was out, and Kevin was out, and poor Chris was just sitting there the whole time like... So I don't know I how do? you stayed awake the whole time, but anyway, I, I don't know either. Uh, so they let us in a whole hour early, which was really cool. And uh, <laughs> about an hour down. before that, people started clapping, like yeah. just slow let clap, getting louder. And we were like, "That's they're not going to let us in, people. You're not yeah. intimidating them." <laughs> I did not get any J.J. Abrams pizza, but I was there when they started doing that. Oh, that's um, nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you heard about this. J.J. Abrams did, and Kathleen yeah. Kennedy called a local pizza shop half an hour before they closed and ordered 200 pizzas for the people in line. A half hour before they closed? <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, but this story is now turned around. Chichi Abrams, why are you an asshole? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people need to go to bed. Uh, so uh, that was pretty neat. And then they uh, they they were kept us pretty well entertained beforehand. They had like yeah, a you know, warm-up guy. 
Yeah, um, and um, uh, James Arnold Taylor and said warm-up guy walked the line until about 2 a.m. hanging out with people and taking pictures and stuff, so that was really cool. Wait, the show was at 2 a.m.? No. Um, oh, they sent they the warm-up can't... guy the night before? Well, he didn't. He was just there to sort of handle James Arnold Taylor, who is the voice of Obi-Wan. Um, oh. Uh, who uh, he, he um, was also hosting all the yeah, main so panels, far. and so he came down to the line the night before, hung out until about 2 a.m., just talking to people, taking pictures. Apparently at one point... Because he was told he wasn't supposed to be signing autographs so that he wouldn't, you know, be down there forever. Yeah. He starts signing autographs, and the warm-up guy is like, whoa, whoa, James, you can't be doing that. And he just looks at him and says in Obi-Wan voice, I'm not signing any autographs. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So what was it like to see the actors? Oh, God, that morning, Thursday morning panel. Yeah. It was... It was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I think like because I I was so exhausted and I wasn't fully committed and I was also kind of bummed with the idea that they uh, were streaming it live. Yeah. So it's like why am I doing this for this experience to be in the room and and I think what made it all the weight worth it and the sort of you know hemming and hawing about it was slowly them introducing like just seeing JJ Abrams like that was yeah. a treat and then the new cast and then the yeah. original cast and. Uh, and I just kind of had a moment. I was like, "Cool, like I'm in the same room and feeling the energy yeah. of five thousand yeah. people that that's are just what excited I, to see them." And that's that what I love so much about coming back to play uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. Yes, yeah. he is. awesome. Uh, yeah, this, that's what I love about conventions like that. And I, I remember, you know, about an hour before we got in, everybody was kind of like, "Why have we been doing this?" This is yeah. the worst. And I, I was trying to say to you guys, "Don't worry, we get in there. I'm like you're with all those people. It's going to be totally worth it. I promise." And then after we saw the trailer two times and like all the amazing stuff they were showing off, they showed off all the new stormtroopers. They had BB-8 cool. roll on stage. Which, how did they do that? Magnus. Okay, yeah. Magnus. So it's a. Uh, you've heard of the toy, the toy Sphero? Yeah. yeah. Oh. So it's a giant gyroscope in it. Okay. Imagine, and at the top there is a magnet that stays static. And okay. Holds that in place, so you can just take BB heads. So head when off. it rolls, the relationship isn't with the surface. The relationship is between the head and the primary upper neck. Gotcha. Yeah. And that's why yeah. when he was moving or she whatever was moving forward, the head was leaning forward. Yeah. Because that was the momentum yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, the so they probably totally in the first that. trailer they probably did like some gag where they held the head up while it was rolling. Well, somebody, otherwise the momentum would be leaning forward. Somebody mentioned later that on set there had been some like digitally removed like BB-8 moving racks that they used. Yeah, um, I'm sure yeah. like tracks or wires and that sort of thing. Yeah. But I saw someone they're, online that already made a toy uh, BB-8 yeah, with a Sphero. And they're releasing a toy BB-8 for Christmas, of course, controlled by your iPhone. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, uh, How but, does BB-8 fit into a stub-nosed fighter? He doesn't. I don't, or he or she doesn't. I don't think he's he or she is designed to do that because he's partnered with Ray at the beginning of the movie, and, oh, Ray, and Ray is a scavenger. Know. She's not a pilot. Uh, she's, she, okay. I did see, okay, I did no, see a you, model where BBA's in the ship. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh. Interesting. Maybe the now new X Wings have new uh, cockpit things. The the Pandora's box. Tell me more about what this movie's about. We don't know. <laughs> you just said she's a scavenger. We know. Okay. Here's here's what we know, and I think you know all of this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to avoid spoilers. So yeah, Kevin's trying to avoid spoilers, so I don't want to spoil anything for him. We know... Oh, Did oh. you read the plaques in the props room? You never got into the props room. No. Okay, so we know so, the names of the Empire and the Rebellion in the new movie, but we're, I'm not going to say them right now because that's on the internet and you can find them. Uh -oh. um, well, I know um, the Empire is now called the First Order. Okay, and the Rebellion is called the, the Resistance. The First Order? Yeah. Because they ignored yes. all the previous... Okay. The First Order. Okay. <laughs> They're now back to Order 1. They got to 66 and then it reset. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so... Um, we know what we saw in the trailer. We know that um, Ray, which is Daisy uh, Ridley's character, is yeah. a scavenger who works in a crashed shipyard. I assume that case sprung up around that crashed Star Destroyer in the that trailer, be, but yeah. I don't know that for sure. It's, yeah. a, it's a planet called Jakku. Jakku, yeah. 
Oh, um, so not on Tatooine. Not Tatooine. It's oh, a planet called Jakku. Oh. Uh, different desert planet, but still, but still a desert. Um, okay. And we know that um, Finn, which is uh, John Boyega's character, yeah. is a um, uh, stormtrooper. It, okay. Not in disguise. Definitely that, was a stormtrooper. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. That'll be a good redemption arc. Yeah. Uh, and we know that um, Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac's character, whose name I've forgotten right now, uh, oh, the X-wing oh, pilot. Damn. He's got oh, two names in his name. Kylo Ren, something like that. Maybe no, that you're thinking Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren, yes, I am. Yeah. Um, Poe Danaro, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, he was he was dispatched on a mission by Princess Leia to Jakku, but we he don't said know a why. Princess. He didn't say princess. That's Leia, true. He didn't specifically say Princess Leia. Yeah. That's very true. And at this point, would she be a princess? Like exactly. <laughs> Do they say anything about the Republic? The yeah. the New Republic was mentioned somewhere. Um, shit, where was it? Oh, it was mentioned in the Battlefront the stuff. Because the the Battlefront stuff they talk about uh, for Battlefront, they talked about free DLC they were giving out yeah. at the end, which was the Battle of Jakku. Which so that leads into the movie, which okay. shows you how the Star Destroyer crashed. And they somebody talking about it mentioned that it was a battle between the New Republic and the Empire, not the First Order or the Resistance. So, oh, interesting. It, there, there obviously has been a lot of political changes in thirty yeah. years, which but, is good because that means there's room for stuff to happen. Yeah. And that also does, in some way, resemble some of the things that were going on at the end of the Yuzumbong War. Yeah. Um, but I, and, but and not, no I'm not saying it has to be the same. I just want something a little recognizable so that certain characters that I love can at least yeah. have, have room to play. Yeah, exactly. well, what, I, what I like about what they've done, especially what um, uh, Dave Filoni has done with the Clone Wars and now Rebels, is that they're they're... You know, pulling out the things they like from expanding universe and making them canon. So, like oh, uh, Quinlan Quinlan Voss is now canon because cool. he was in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Um, the he fact was also wasn't he mentioned in the um, Revenge of the Sith? Was he Master Boss? Yeah. yeah oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Um, also, uh, like I remember in the um, uh, Mon Calamari arc in uh, Clone Wars, they established that Mon Cal was a water planet that was shared between the Mon Calamari, oh, and that, so that's oh, canon and the now. Good. There's going to be little things here and there. We're going to lose a lot too. Like uh, all of Luke and Leia and Han and Chewie's histories are going to be completely different from what we know, and it's uh, that, that's true. But their histories isn't really what I care about. <laughs> they made it cultures. Like I love Rape Squadron. I love everything about Daphne. Oh, you're gonna love Rogue One. Did Did you hear about Rogue One? No, I saw the thing. Tell me why I'm gonna love it. Okay, Kevin was actually there for the Rogue One reveal. So why don't you take yeah, this one, buddy? That was that was pretty spectacular. So Gareth Edwards directed uh, Monsters and uh, Godzilla, and uh, basically they they teased us with a pre-tease teaser. Yeah, I saw. <coughs> and did, was that a, released online? Mm-hmm. Not no, officially. not officially. I so, saw it. It was up for a couple a of days. Quarter. Yeah. So it was it was really awesome. They started the the talk by saying, "Don't record any of this." So, and they did. Uh, and they did anyway. Thank of course. You. Uh but it uh it was it was spectacular. Um and the thing that I got most excited about was the idea that they were talking about who the DP is, who the production designer yeah. is, and I had another name like that they mentioned and and all these people have worked on like Zero Dark Thirty, Black Hawk Down. Oh my god, perfect. Saving Private because Ryan. Because that is everything I loved about Rave Squadron and the Rogue Squadron books is that it was not about Jedi, it wasn't about politics in a big way. It was about what it's like to be in war. Yep. And yeah. to slowly lose your humanity and to regain it through the camaraderie. One, one of the things you. they talked about in the panel, too, um, oh, that I heard about good. was that they're they're very big on having zero Jedi in the movie. And it's yes. actually one of the themes in the movie is that the, there's Jedi no gone. there's no sorcerers with magic coming to save you. Yeah, like, there's the no people, yeah, there's these people who've, you know, 
they're, when their their mothers or their grandmothers relied on these special space protectors, and now that what it, how, what they is it like in a universe where that's gone, and you yeah. suddenly have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and yeah. fix it? I I like that a lot, and that might be what really helps them get the Jarrus contingent. Because yeah. one of the things I really liked about the EU is that they were very big in expanding on things where yeah. there weren't any Jedi, and to see what is this world where, and especially what is the rebel um, psychology, which is essentially that. All right, you lone person and multitudes of others you will never meet, and for their safety you should know you're going up against a galaxy-spanning government. Yeah, here's a wrench. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, and so that uh, what was the point I was going to make? They they're oh they're just emphasizing that it's going to be they're putting the wars back in Star Wars. Yeah, they're, good. They want to follow stories and storylines of not. Uh, universal good, universal and it evil. Sounds it's sounds like it's, it's back in the classic because yeah. this is pre Yavin, yeah, right? Pre Yavin. Oh, yeah. good, good, and good. So good. it's uh, they're they're going to really focus on characters that are gray. Yeah, some oh, that may betray that don't have you know idealistic yes. morals. You know, yes, yeah, which it could be really really cool. I think you can certainly push Star Wars too far in the wrong direction if you try and go Man of Steel with it. But based on what I've heard, I don't think they would. It, one of the things that they did well in the EU is showing that when you don't have a magical power that detects evil, it is really hard to see what is good and evil in a war situation. And that driving force of how do I make sure I sleep at night? How do I know that we're still doing this for the right reasons? That is the sort of story yeah. I want to hear. The thing that I found really funny about it was there. I saw a couple people who were like, Oh man, this movie's about stealing the Death Star plans. That means you know, X stealing the Death Star plans is no longer canon. Uh, <laughs> my friend Frank, my friend sense. Frank, re- posted just here is a list of everyone who stole the Death Star plans yeah. in the EU, and it's like fifty different people. Yeah, really, <laughs> it really was. And that and that's what's really exciting is I, I got also got to go to a panel about the the story continuity, like building oh. canon. Um, and so it was it was that group, Pablo Hidalgo, what and a few other people me? on there. Um, <laughs> well, everything that you love is gone. Um, I know, but I know. they did emphasize uh, that people asking questions that you know there are still good stories in there. There are still good characters that they can draw from, and if it makes sense in the world that they're they're continuing to build and expand on, that you know it's like they didn't say Mara Jade is a absolute yes, but they're like the reality is good characters are good characters and we'll draw from them as necessary. Yeah. That would be fantastic. Mara Jade was a great character I saw, with the way she balanced against yeah, Luke. I saw probably 10 different Maras and like 15 different um, Grand it's Admiral Thrawns at the convention. Yeah. And Thrawn is such an incredibly compelling character. Yeah. Um, um, there's a funny thing that Kevin was telling me was at that panel, you know, they opened up to Q&A and yeah. uh, the, the entire Q&A session was people going up to the microphone and going, so is this still canon? Yeah. What <laughs> uh, <laughs> defines canon? Like, Can someone we... went up like, okay, so how do you define canon? If you say, like, Ponda Baba, he wasn't named until the EU in the script, he's just walrus face. <laughs> and so... And then Doug Chang like grabs this encyclopedia book that just came out, opens it up, and looks through it. And he's like, "Ponda Baba." <laughs> it's not, it's not, it's not out yet. It was, oh! it was yeah. for sale on the floor, but you can't get it in reality yet. Oh, that was one of the cool things they had. That a couple book of books is going to answer so many of my questions. <laughs> no, they had a couple of uh, um, uh, books that were for pre-sale on the floor, like the new Lords of the Sith book that's just all about Palpatine and Vader. It cool. was you could buy on the floor. Um, yeah, sorry, I misspoke. It wasn't Doug Chang. It was the guy who runs the Holocon on. Star Wars Which I love that guy. He's done so much for Nerdy Tree. Yeah, and I, I really love the idea that 
there's a story group of everyone sort of coming in and working within the universe and offering opportunities to other filmmakers and creatives. Yeah. Like within the Marvel Universe to make books, filmmakers, television. And, and they're really very serious about reining it in and making sure that it all does make sense. Yeah. Which I'm really happy to see. I mean, I know that I was really scared when we realized that it's all gone, but it sounds like they're really devoted to making something that um, is engaging to fans. I, it sounds like they really understand that they are working with the people, the fans who um, I saw it around. <laughs> it's in the bag, maybe? Yeah, okay. Um, they're working with people who really <laughs> care about the past continuity. And I know I'm going to sound like an old world of darkness lover in this, but that stuff was fucking important to us. It was. No, it, like, it's, it, there's a, there's people, um, like, yeah, I, I think I'm right if I say this about you, Kevin. There's people like you who, like, sort of grew up just on the movies and, like, that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And then there's people like me who, the movies were cool, but the Star Wars I grew up on was the expanded universe and reading the books and uh, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I the, the video games, and I was interested in some of the, the ancillary characters, but I never read Thrawn, I never read yeah. Rogue Squadron, yeah. and that sort of stuff. And, and so it wasn't it wasn't a devastating thing for me. It was like, that's a smart business decision, yeah. and and so I'm, I'm engaged with that. But that means I'm really engaged with what they're building now. Yeah. Even though like I'm kind of concerned that there still might be overlap that doesn't make sense. Like the Star Wars comic book, which I've now read, may overlap with Heir to the Empire, Heir to the Jedi, whatever the new, yeah, Heir to the Jedi. new book is. And it's like, well... Why are you telling the same story twice yeah. now? That seems sort of... Well, and I am a little concerned that they've already, in their new reboot, launched, like, three comics, five books, and a TV show. Because um, it's like, it just... Be too much? All of, all of which are okay. within the same era, which, you know, concerns the heck out of me because I'm worried they'll just all, like, collapse they, into each other. Another comment like, was, perhaps... was, like, how much are we going to delve and, and sort of... Uh, churn out the original era stuff. Like, yeah. when are we going to really expand to, like, Nice World Republic era? Yeah. You know, but, but in between the 30 years that we explore with yeah. the other and this. One of the interesting things that happened around the time that George Lucas started rewriting Star Wars stories is that he really dug it into the very late Old Republic era, and because of that, so many fans went deeply into the uh, old old republic yeah. which is a thousand years ago when i was writing star wars you know fan fiction when i was a kid i always went further in the other direction like as far as i could like this is this is like you know 50 60 70 years after return of the jedi yeah. so that yeah. i could create new stories but i could still Build not be like it. yeah it's like if you tell a story it takes place in the old republic even if it's 10,000 years ago, it's still a story that you sort of know how it ends. I mean, like, one of the yeah. things about the Old Republic and one of the themes that George Lucas, whether purposely or unpurposely, seems to have uh, continued, picked up from the EU and pushed is that the Old Republic was a place of incredible stagnancy. Yeah. In which things just over a few thousand years just did not change that much. Yeah. yeah. And in no way that is dramatic or important, which is what makes the classic era so cool is that it is supposed to be a time of incredible upheaval and one of the reasons why I mean the only part of me that's like well I'm kind of okay that this got wiped is that the biggest problem I had with EU writing is that every problem was a problem only the main characters could solve yeah, and yeah. it wasn't go galaxy like and it was it's like when it's, can these people rest when will the galaxy get a time to just develop again it's one of the reasons why 
I Jedi is one of my favorite books yes, of all time because it's, it's, not it's about literally that. like Corrin Horn is trying to solve that his wife has been kidnapped and he has and to deal with it. some smugglers on a moon and that's like it. nobody's destroying planets. There's no super weapons. It's just a and per- personal still story in that universe. Philosophical things going on, but yeah. it doesn't require the entire entire civilizations get up and lay back down. Yeah. yeah, I would be I'd be really disappointed if the Force Awakens had a super weapon. To be honest, oh like, yeah, me too. They don't. We need don't it. need they, that. You can yeah. have all yeah. kinds of other threats without super weapons. You know what's an amazing super weapon? A uh, an inc- dark saber? No, I, <laughs> no, an incredible, uh, an incredibly progress, uh, uh, an incredibly oppressive government with a meme-like way of teaching that you can't unteach and sounds very reasonable. <laughs> Real <laughs> political uh, foes, something like. That's one of the things that Palpatine never had because they're supposed to be space Nazis. Yeah. But what if these new bad guys were more than just blanket evil? What if this character who's a stormtrooper shows us there's a very important emotional reason why people go into the New Order? That was actually and one of the, the really... show Rebels hasn't nailed yeah. yet. Yeah. Like, you don't yeah. know why stormtroopers become stormtroopers. Yeah. And, and it's a very hard tonal shift going yeah. from clones who are heroes, yeah. which are also villains... To the stormtroopers, where you tools. have universal people coming to say, yeah. "I want to defend the well, empire." They're, and yeah. they're not just, and well, it's one, one of the interesting the things is the human first thing. Yeah, is that it comes down to this new cultural shift where humans who have never had a, uh, I'm sorry, I overwhelming voice in the the galaxy, right, or their home planet, are said, "No, Coruscant is our planet, and this government is our government. Rise up, because we are now one yeah. people." Yeah. Which is what Palpatine did, and yeah. it's. The, in the EU, they played that a lot. It was interesting what you said about um, you know Palpatine just being plain evil because it was you know we went to Ian McDermott's panel yeah. and one of the things he talked about was how difficult it was for him to play that character because he didn't feel like he had any nuance or backstory. Like yeah. if he asked George Lucas like why his character was doing things, he'd just be kind of like, oh well, because you're evil. Um, Georgie, and like Georgie. Yeah. Um, whereas it was funny because people asked him questions about things like, you know, did you kill Palpatine with the Force to uh, to mess with Vader, or like, were you Padme. really did you kill Padme? Padme sorry, yeah. or did you, were you, you know, uh, secretly preparing for the Yuuzhan and Vong invasion? And like, <laughs> and so it was it was really funny to listen to because the actor who had portrayed the character Ian didn't know McDonald. Ian McDermott didn't Norman, know he yeah. had any of this nuance in the character, and the fans just built layers underneath his performance to give him yeah. the nuance they wanted him to have. Well, that's what fans do in the in the mythology. Uh, I also went to this like this the, a mythology panel, which was also really interesting. Which he also defends Jar Jar Binks, which I'll get to that in a second. Interesting, really interesting. Um, he he was talking about that said like regardless of whatever the intent was you can still recontextualize it for yourself and for the greater culture and that's where the significance of Star Wars lies like and that's there's true. injections that's of things. very true yeah. Star Wars is hugely broad in the fact that it's very mythic and here yeah. with a thousand faces to allow multiple societies and multiple contexts yeah because most people don't know this but George Lucas wanted to frame it around a specific conflict which was Vietnam. Yeah. And that doesn't carry at all because it doesn't need to. It is such a great story that you could fit it on almost any conflict of, of about yeah. small people. Yeah, well, it's because he took the most, not the most basic story, but one of the most uh, overwhelming and standing stories. one of the most basic stories. Yeah, and, and built that into his universe rather than yeah. taking a specific, whereas I think the prequels were his attempt at making something specific. that was a political commentary on a specific time Which and place. Was so bad. And it didn't work. And it yeah. was so bad. Sith absolutes all that shit. Uh, yeah. One of the reasons why I love the Yizembong story is not only it, it does it bring very interesting things to the Force and to the world, but this idea 
that the Sith are very pragmatic. They don't do this out of evil. They do it because they believe that they must. And the idea that Palpatine caused this entire empire to come about is because he's the only person who saw the danger in these invaders but was too proud to tell anyone in case he died. <laughs> Which was so... I find that to be such a Sith problem. Yeah. Wait, say that again? So okay, the Yuuzhan so, Vong is a storyline uh, that goes on in the in the, the books and okay. it's about this, this invasion um, way late. New, like, new, like, uh, like 30 years post-Battle Maybe of 20 years before, before these movies gotcha. are supposed to come Yeah, out. so he... The, the Yuuzhan Vong invade and yeah. it turned basically they're this aliens from another galaxy they're impossibly powerful they, they like wipe the out a little they terraform Coruscant they it's don't use technology bad. they only use genetic it, it, it turns out that like yeah 20 years before the movies there was a hint that they were coming and Palpatine picked up on it and so Palpatine's whole thing of building up the empire and over militarization and all that was to defend it. the Republic and everything he loved by creating and he thought the Republic can't stand against this so I will create an empire that can and uh, one of the reasons yeah. why he <laughs> Excuse me. Went to fascism. <laughs> Sorry, I need to blow my. Is because he believed uh, the Jedi will not have the moral ability to deal with this problem. Only the Sith, in their ability to hate what hurts them. So I need to create an empire that creates more Sith-like attitudes and politics and military, so we can be as ruthless as we need. Yeah, that's a really um, compelling story. And yeah, it, it is. really, really was. Oh God. And George Lucas said. You made evil people look like they might be good. I hate you and I hate every of this. This isn't canon. Like, he specifically, I need to make a story that undoes this. And after that's done, also, none of this is real. <laughs> so, he, it was... so the prequel trilogies. So this was sort of like the definition of why he built the No, Empire. this actually happened after the prequels. Um, yeah, uh, is... And throughout the prequels. Yeah, uh, this, yeah. this is... Um, yeah, it it kind are... of was the height of writers being... having Before George Lucas realized that if he didn't rein in the writers, they would draw on stories that he had no control over. Right. He, he also, during the Years of Long Invasion, wrote uh, about Jedi who discovered that the Force was um, didn't really have a light side or dark side. It was all just the Force and your intent determined whether your actions were light yeah, side or dark side. That right. light and dark are a mentality or a paradigm that yeah. people put on the Which Force. Which he also hated and then wrote things to Even simply strike down. though <laughs> what he draws upon Taoism also says that. Yes. But well, George... and that's, that's another thing too that I think like with Clone Wars are sort of a conflict there with Lucas's intent explicitly always stating that balance is not good and bad present at the same time balance is you know universal good yeah and then the Clone Wars episode where uh, Anakin is stuck on the, the prime planet with, yeah with the, the, the spirit embodiment of the force and his kids are light and dark like that's balance and like yeah. that sort of goes against what his intent was well and I think a lot of people that's true uh, and I mean, I Lucas must have been involved in that episode though because he was heavily involved with Clone Wars so true. I don't know how that happened that maybe happened. he's evolving maybe maybe that's What's why this? he decided Lucas is evolving well, he's, he's got nothing to do with it now so. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well maybe that's why he decided to sell it is he was like I can tell this isn't working out I can't anymore. handle it yeah. I can't yeah. do this it was oh, really funny. Fuck. We heard the uh, the story of how he uh, handed the reins over to Kathleen Kennedy, uh, and it was basically <laughs> it was basically that kind of thing where he just like sat her down for lunch and was like, "So uh, I think I'm gonna quit and sell it, and I want you to run it." Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just just go do it. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see like she's running it, and, and I think the story too about uh, I think what's really inspiring is uh, Rogue One is a story pitched by John Knoll, who is yeah. a VP special effects supervisor. Been there really? since the prequels. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. He just pitched the Sorry. idea. He was talking to a bunch of people uh, within the department, and uh, they all said, this is a really good idea. You should pitch it to Kathleen Kennedy, who was, like, brand new 
to Lucasfilm. She's like, my first week there, <laughs> I get this meeting with John Knoll, and she said her first thought was, oh man, I'm, well, if I say yes to this, I can't say yes to this because it's going to open up the floodgates. But then she realized it's such a good story. She had to. She had to. I, lo- I love, too, that Gareth Edwards was like, because um, he had been wanting to take a break after the latest film that he's working yeah. on. And so he got the meeting, and he got. He was like, I really hope this pitch is terrible so I can say no. And then he heard the pitch, and he was like, well, I'm doing a Star Wars yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. Which is funny, because you know, you, I'd like to hear that story, because I think Lucasfilm probably feels like they have a lot of filmmakers by the balls, in a way, to say, like, yeah. Oh, you want to work on Star Wars? Here's an idea. You'll just say yes, and and I think like he was in a position where he knew he knew he wanted to do it, but he wanted the content to be so bad that he didn't want to participate. But yeah, he yeah. saw it and was like, no, I have to do this. I'm yeah. glad that it has that stamp of approval from so many people that I respect because one of the I recognize that you know there are so many people who love Star Wars who are younger than me and don't identify Star Wars with what I do, and one of my fears when I realized that I was truly and deeply upset by them breaking the continuity is I don't want to become the kind of fan that does <laughs> well that. actually yeah and I don't want I don't like new things because I don't know them yeah. like I don't want to be that yeah. person and I want to hand off Star Wars to a new generation of fans that I'm happy with and yeah. proud of and I'm really glad that they're making I'm really something. excited to take my kids to see Star Wars movies in the theater yes. even though there's going to be a million of them I think yes. well and one of the things that I think is really helping is you know um, you hear stories about when Lucas was running the company and a company that's run by one guy at the top who has to have approval on everything <coughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> What's crackle? <laughs> um, has to. Um, they, they eventually run into problems when they get too big, and it's one of those things. Um, uh, ex- you know, um, I heard stories of uh, that it's Star Wars fourteen thirteen that to uh, yeah, so that Star Wars thirteen thirteen game that was coming out. Um, they had built basically an entire game, and at the last second, George Lucas came down to their office, looked at the game, and said. You know, this would be great if Boba Fett was starring in it. And they had to like redo oh, everything because he had an idea. And thus it didn't. Yeah. And yeah. so I think I think what's happening now is they're moving to a company that's like there's still somebody at the top who's got a vision, who's Kathleen, but they've got She's not as crazy. She, well, and she's I think she's smart enough from running different companies and producing things to not just be the iron hand of judgment and to let people have ideas and yeah. let things spread out. And... In the way that he designed things in uh, the prequels by having people push past um, concept art at him and him saying, yes, no, yes, yeah. no. That's just, yeah, I don't know that's something you've... Varric would do. That's not how you really run a company. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever heard the story. The reason, the way Asajj Ventress was designed is when they were doing episode two, Lucas was like, we're going to have a Sith in this movie. Just design me a Sith. And so oh, okay. every concept artist gave him something completely different. And yeah. then when he got Ventress, he was like, I really like this one, but we're about to cast Christopher Lee, so we can't use it. So we'll make it another character somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what same happens with the Sith mother or the uh, the witch, the Sith oh, witch. Oh, Mother Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was a Sith witch designed for a Sith for Phantom Menace. And they thought it was awesome, but Lucas thought it was too scary for kids. So he was like, well, I like this, but we're gonna, it's not for this movie. Um, also, the Clone Troopers' uh, guns, I saw a special feature where they were talking about how they realized they, didn't, they designed the Clone Trooper and they didn't have a gun for it last minute. George is coming in in 20 minutes, so they took the original plastic, you know, the original yeah. rifle, yeah. flipped it upside down, and just made it longer. <laughs> and that's, that's, awesome. that's all they did. <laughs> I love shit like that yeah. so much Like it, it move, that's what I love about filmmaking that's why I love that so much they're going to a more practical approach with yes, this film yes because then you can actually get that physical culture well and that it also because 
when you're working with physical props and stuff on a set, you have more opportunity to be like, this isn't working, staple something to it, and that leads to a lot of beautiful moments in films. Or when you just think about, like, you know, people interacting with a stormtrooper, like, you still have, like, an actor's going to feel a physical threat when you see ten of those guys pointing yeah. guns at you, yeah. versus Pat, you know, uh, Natalie Portman standing on a green screen talking to nobody. Yeah. You know, like, that's significant. Yeah. It just adds a little bit of authenticity. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to act without anything to act off of. It's one of the things I run into. Especially when you're creating a world, you want to have a world for the actors yeah, to exactly. respond to. Yeah, exactly. Well, another thing that's really interesting that I... I didn't get to mention when at the panel I wanted to ask a question for the myth mythology and, and that sort of thing he's talking about like the overarching themes between both films which he kind of feels like are sort of Venn diagram circles they both sort of follow the same path the hero's what journey films? Uh, the prequels and the new films okay. or sorry the sorry the original yeah. films yeah. the original trilogy we're uh, have to figure out what to call the new new trilogy. I think probably just new trilogy, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so how it's the original films, the prequels. They said that you know it's the hero's journey that Anakin and Luke are both following. They said it's really important that if you're watching it for the first time, that you kind of interject both of them at the same time because you see that Luke and Anakin are tried the same way, yeah. and Anakin just makes bad decisions. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, and is played poorly. <laughs> and played poorly. But Luke also makes poor decisions as well. Yeah. And so, and that kind of leads itself to. He said the overarching theme is. They're, the reason why the Jedi fall is because they have lost their connection to the living force. And that's yeah. why yes! Qui-Gon is a really oh my important God. character. This is, the guy, this is the guy who runs this full of Sith podcast. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, I was and, hoping uh, it was someone deeply within no, the no. film. And, uh, and but so, I agree. And, but what's really interesting, though, is that the films, the prequels, are about... You know the the Jedi losing their connection to the living force and overanalyzing what their spirituality is, which is the Metaphorians yeah. right. and technology. Making it much more about a religion and their political connections than the mystical personal yes. connection. Yes, yes. And so, but what's interesting is that, like, because it's it's the impede of technology. The original trilogy is about the oppression of technological technological might. It's yeah. a giant Death Star. Yeah. yeah. Technological might Finding is a quote from the a, film. Yeah. Yeah. But when you think about how the prequels were made technological might yeah like an yes. innovative digital yes. content characters that didn't exist it's like his message is like lost on himself it's yeah, yeah. it's really well funny. that was true in a lot of things about the prequels and one of the things i'm really happy about these new movies uh, is that jj abrams is a man as far as i've seen from the things that he's directed and written who understands narrative um narrative meaning yeah, um, yeah. And tries to put like, and, and that's what really got me behind um, Super Eight yeah. is that Super Eight was a movie whose production and the way it was shown tra- easily and very well transmitted the messages that were in the story. Yeah. Um, and I think that's going to come through. I really hope that's going to come through in these. Movies. It's going to be really interesting too to see, and I mean, obviously the originals were made this way too, but to see how a trilogy that's got two or three different like sort of visionary directors in each installment is going to like how that's going to work is going from jj abrams and rian johnson have a very different mm-hmm. style and so it's going to be interesting to see how that she translates did, uh, Zero he did. Dark 30. no he um jj abrams is directing the first one the guy who directed the looper is directing the second one and brick and, and brick well. yeah oh it's one of my favorite directors uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. yeah he's amazing i love those movies <laughs> yeah it's uh, funny, I'd completely forgotten about Brothers Bloom. I was like, he did Brick and Looper, and I know I saw a movie I really liked in the middle. It took me like yeah. a year to be like, never, right, Brothers Bloom! I've never seen Brothers Bloom. I don't remember if you saw it with me or not. Mei Ling saw it with me, but she doesn't remember it. <laughs> it it's, it's Is there a movie clever. about memory? really well. No. 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 Uh, There's, there were just men in black outside the theater. I just <laughs> covered my eyes. Yeah. 
Um, you were wearing sunglasses that day. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think Abrams and Bad Robot are going to have a, a pretty strong finger involved for the production. I think so. He's yeah. producing yeah. the other film, so they're going to maintain good. the continuity running yeah, through the rest of it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I, I think that's important because I mean, even the story core, story core, the story group was saying that films always take precedent and they have less control over saying no to a filmmaker than they do someone writing a comic yeah, book. Yeah, that's so true. they still take precedent over everything else. And it's got to be a really interesting part of your job when you're like, okay, I've kept all of my dominoes in a row. Oh, JJ wants to knock this domino over. Okay. Yeah. Bunk. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, and it's interesting because it's like how deeply involved do our other story creators into the knowledge of what the script is like yeah we were standing in line and there are people who worked for ea said like yeah because of my job i read the script or i had to know what the or was. i knew somebody who read the script yeah because yeah. they're working on the um uh it was actually the original dead space team we met in line and they're working on a uh, a star wars game that's being written by the head writer of uncharted oh, which cool. i'm very excited to hear about i think that was all already announced but <laughs> yeah. yeah i don't know it, um, but it was interesting. They were definitely talking about how, like, because we asked if they knew what was going on in the movie, and so they were basically like, you know, we've seen some art. We Some of us have read the script. Some of us have been able to deliberately avoid it. But you kind of have to know what's going on in the universe to create in the universe. Yeah. yeah. And they also for the uh, Rogue One panel, they showed some concept art of, uh, it was sort of a troop transport for rebel forces, kind of yeah. in like a jungle world. And yeah. the, the ship had uh, X-Wing wing, uh, engines on the back, and... But it was it was pretty gritty and cool looking. Too. Yeah, it's gonna be. Uh, is that? I think that's gonna be that movie's gonna be the biggest total sense. shift. Tycom makes a lot of the Incom? if they keep Incom. Yeah. yeah, makes a lot of that. That stuff's stuff. being kept because they uh, I, uh, the new X wing was referred to as an Incom TX. On oh, the good. List, so cool. Yeah, uh, which is actually the name of one of the starfighters in the EU. So I'm glad they kept that TX. TX. Yeah, the um, that was the one they were flying around. Uh, the the newer squadrons were flying around in the uh, oh in the Long War. yeah yeah yeah. Uh, they're also called uh, Super X Wings yeah. or uh, Advanced X Wings. Yeah, and I also like the Fantasy Flight people said that they were they're developing ships yeah. off of the new movies, which is exciting too. That's good. Um, I hope they can expand to every like era. Then it'd be cool to just be able to fly like. Clone ships and droid ships and new I, stuff. I, I want to fight. I want to fight against you as a Vong. You uh, won't be able fighter. to. The Vong are gone. Bro. I want I just want rebel ships. I want Sabine's painted Tie Fighter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I wanted to get to the uh, the the rebel uh, sort of hypothesis, not the rebel, the Jar Jar Binks <laughs> hypothesis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So the guy who does his podcast, Full of Sith, uh, he does a few other things, and uh, he was he was he's a he's a I wouldn't say he's a prequel apologist. He's a prequel defender and advocator. Absolutely, and that's um, what the word apologist means. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, semantics. You, you and explain why something is uh, valid, valuable right. or invalid to people who don't understand. It. Yeah. So what he was doing was uh, he was emphasizing that. Uh, Jar Jar Binks is the reason why the second Death Star was destroyed, and everyone's like, "What?" You know, <laughs> like that. He starts with that because he knows it's a bombastic statement, and so he's just like, "Okay." When you think about it, the first time you see Jar Jar, it's like also like in in the terms of myth, he fills an archetype of jester. He fills yeah. like entertainment yeah. value, and he he's sort of the fool and brings you in and back, and but also uh, guides you along the path in the story. And so Jar Jar does Which play Jar Jar failed in the movie. <laughs> that did ah. hang on. So <laughs> okay, so uh, in. Uh, in the first film, I mean, he is he is pivotal and pivotal in terms of getting Naboo and the uh, the Gungans together to help defeat, yeah. and they just kind of served as sort of cannon fodder to get the yeah. larger yeah. work done, um, which is bad because it's like they're just totally taking advantage of yeah. this native culture. But uh, what he's talking about is when Qui Gon and Obi Wan first come across him, Obi Wan refers to him as another useless creature, 
And Qui Gon says, "No, like we need. He may be valuable, kind of implying everybody has value." Yeah. Um, and so let's see where this takes us, which takes him to the Gungan city, which takes him to the Naboo, which takes him to along on this journey. Yeah. Um, and so Obi Wan learns a valuable lesson from Qui Gon, yeah. which is every creature has value. Um, and so, and Qui Gon's part of the living force. He sort of like goes with the flow. Um, <coughs> yes. And then when you get to uh, the Empire Strikes, no, sorry, the Clone Wars, uh, Attack of the Clones. Excuse me. I this is the part where I thought his argument was a little thin. Yoda then sees, uh, you know, he, Jar Jar is part of the the Senate. Uh, Palpatine is utilizing Jar Jar, which is really manipulating him to sort of uh, give him emergency powers, which is sort of leading you know the ball rolling toward yeah. destroying something. And so Yoda then sees, okay, there's value in another innocent creature. This person, this thing that was like a native. Uh, you know, hick on this yeah. planet became something important and is helping uh, the progress of the war and is an yeah. invaluable creature. No, not right now. So, when Luke first meets Yoda, Yoda is playing the fool. Yoda is pretending to be this useless creature. And yeah. Luke says, you're worthless, where's the Jedi? I'm looking yeah. for a great master, a great warrior. And uh, Yoda scoffs at him and proves to him that Luke's not ready. Luke is not can't be a Jedi because he can't see past. The... He can't see past sort of this hubris and see like this grand ideal of what things are. And Yoda is sort of like this small innocent creature. And and so Yoda views as the hubris and the representation of that of the Jedi is Mace Windu. He is Mace represents everything that was wrong with where the Jedi was going. Yeah, really? emotionless, stubborn. Uh, I love it. Uh, sort of a, uh, a hawk in terms of warfare, yeah, yeah. not not connected to the force, and he himself admits like our ability. He's a zealot. Um, yeah. Our un inability to use the force, we can't see what's happening, and so Yoda and Obi Wan view this as okay. This guy doesn't get it. Luke doesn't get the mistakes. He's he's a part of the mistakes. And it's like uh -huh. so Yoda's thinking maybe the Jedi should die because there's something wrong with it. He he knows still sees absolute evil. Yeah. But so what happens is is Luke then learns that lesson. Lurk, no, lurk. Luke understands like I'm ready. I, I'm ready to try. I'm re ready to understand and change my perception, which encourages Yoda to train. So then what happens is is on Endor, they're caught in the net. They fall to the ground, and then there's a bunch of Ewoks. Han's first reaction is to shoot them all, and Luke says, "Wait, let's see what happens." So the idea that Jar Jar has this legacy of proving to you innocent useless creatures have a purpose i can see where he's saying with that but i think there are a lot of holes in the argument which is that the ewoks and jar jar both represent a time in a specific instance in lucas's creative career where he went for something and drastically failed in its presentation i don't think the ewoks were that big of a failure a, but B, uh, also, Kevin's making a great point about an in-universe explanation, yeah. and you're starting to argue from a production okay, standpoint. Okay, that's true. Then so let's look at it like this. I would argue that Mace Windu, while a great representation of everything that's wrong with the Jedi, uh, is not the best representation of everything that's wrong with the Jedi. Yoda is. Yoda yeah. is yeah. never redeemed. In the very end, Yoda is a hawk. Yoda wants pure death yeah. on yep. his oh, enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the, that's one of the things that I've always loved about the arc from the prequels to the new trilogy, and whether Lucas intended this or not can be debated for years, but the yeah. story as it exists is these group of hawkish, conservative, angry, um, religious, religious, religious yeah. zealots um, die out, but 
the new hope in Luke realizes that there's a different way. And when he reaches yeah. out his hand to Vader, and this is why Jedi is my favorite movie, he yeah. changes the path and he creates a new way of going, which is one of the things that I'm going to be really interested to see whether they continue with in um, Force Awakens. Because I, I, that, that to me, like, be, that's such a good ending to the series because Luke takes a different path because he learns the actual power. yeah he learns the actual truth of the Force he learns to be compassionate to re, to forgive and yeah. that that that's what being a true Jedi is that's why when he stops fighting Vader for the first time he says I'm a Jedi like my father before me even though his father was a terrible Jedi he doesn't right. know that <laughs> specifically because other terrible Jedi have kept that from him yeah <laughs> yeah and I, and I think that's why it's significant that there is not a rebuilt re- republic with Luke at the helm there's not a rebuilt right. Jedi yeah. order with Luke at even the helm even though they tried doing that some way in the EU and one of the major themes was that the Jedi don't want to do this yeah. Yeah. we really don't want to be politically involved yeah uh, it, I don't want to argue with this person through you, but one of the things that I notice is that in the original Star Wars trilogy, there was a fool character, and it, it's Han. And Luke does learn that lesson, but he learns it through Han. As soon as he meets Han, he disrespects him. He doesn't think he's worth much. He thinks they could go another way. And it is Obi-Wan Kenobi showing him that people have hidden talents and hidden values Never does Obi-Wan ever uh, discount Han, even though Han's like the Force. I don't need that. Um, and is Luke's connection to his friends the value that he sees in people? But who... you've just supported his argument. No. Because Obi-Wan is the one who learned the lesson of Jar Jar Binks not right, being but useless. but Obi-Wan doesn't teach that. He does demonstrate, but he doesn't tell that to Luke. But Luke you don't have realizes to tell someone that to he, for himself that. when he denies Yoda... Uh, staying in Dagobah and realizing that my connection to my friends, the value I see in the people around you, though they are not personally valuable to my spiritual spiritual journey, is more valuable than right. my spiritual right. journey. Yeah. But you could but argue at the same time that's also like it's a it's a, a in terms of the hero's journey, it's a failed test when you're trying to ascend to become enlightened. Yeah. You're, you're stepping away from that path. And it's I interesting that his failed test is that actually was a successful test. test. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. You, you can interpret it different ways. From yeah. the Obi-Wan and possibly mystery. the George Lucas look uh, yeah. look at it, that was a failure. From my perspective, that's actually Luke's first big success on his journey yeah. to becoming a, a like, good Jedi. Not only did he He's stand up for himself, yeah. but yes, he yeah. sacrificed himself for people whom he cared about who uh, uh, could not individually change the way the war was but the fact is that through the way the force works and luck works they did yeah yeah um i would also argue real quick that uh 3po actually fulfills the yes 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 yes. okay that is much more true because uh one he was he and r2 r2 is the more competent yeah uh was always the the duo as set up by kurosawa's original duo yeah Yeah, yeah, and the castle uh, or whatever the castle, I think. No, hidden fortress. Hidden fortress. Thank you. Um, in which they are actually with the audience throughout all exactly. of the films, and it, and they bring that sense of luck, bringing people to the exact right moment, and they are also valuable in a way that other characters have to see. No, we should keep these. I'm not quite saying why, but there are friends. Like mm-hmm. even Han while he hates 3PO, continuously works to... I don't know that Han actually hates 3PO, though. Okay, I think Han's being... Yeah, yeah like... but they have that sort of... They have a relationship where Han learns to value him, and then with the Ewoks, 
he three PO saves all their lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and that's, yeah. Another, and that's another point, point of, that. of right. and that's still is, kind yeah, of supporting the Jar Jar Binks hypothesis. What I'm saying is that Jar Jar Binks shows this dynamic imperfectly, and that it was better done in the original series. And I right, think it but is your a argument, your argument that it's not well written yeah. doesn't change the fact the validity of the theory just because the, oh, the character's not well written to, yeah, yeah. The, the, the theory could still exist without it's like what we're talking about with Ian McDermott that, yeah. Ian force, McDermott doesn't believe his character has exactly. all the nuance but we've added no, it no one's yeah. arguing that there's poor execution in the prequels yeah. <laughs> but in terms of scope and context of what they were trying to do in terms of like the mirroring mirroring okay like the, I the could see is. that and yeah. he did fulfill that role of I am a fool yet I am very important why? because that is the path of the fool Yeah, I, I do see that I would not say there's a line of causality between him and, well, and, the and that's one of the wonderful things about fandom is that you can find that yeah that's true and i that's think true. that's 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 sort of like it's him recontextualizing it yeah. and finding yeah. the path that gets him satisfied and it's like and in his way it's like i'm trying to validate this for others so yeah. that you can it's kind of like how um i uh i got blow by okay keep uh, it's kind of like how i always talk about with the the clone wars and how watching the clone wars actually makes the prequels better for me because sure. like they add so much nuance and character especially it, the clones oh yeah and for even for anakin like because he's played by <sighs> such yeah. a better actor in the clone wars <laughs> you get this Aiden. you get That's this the magic of the eu is is that star wars is good although the clone e- wars are canon they're not eu no that's uh, true but they are extra they're not the movies is what i mean um and my uh, the ability for things that are not the movies to fill in and make better is incredibly yeah, strong to expand uh, which is why i think we love the eu so much is because it gave us so much more of this world yeah and if they're saying we will continue to build this eu a new eu based off of uh what we're doing then it sounds yeah. like they recognize that power in that role yeah. so what we've been saying for the last hour basically is the star wars celebration was very good okay. <laughs> Wait, <it's been> <laughs> yeah we're almost out, out of time oh you guys have to go back <laughs> I, I gotta go to a doctor's appointment well melissa's not here and i did want her to be here when we talked about daredevil but oh, it's oh daredevil right. right and i also wanted you to be here can you guys come back next week um, similar time. Uh, if we could do it outside of work. Yeah, I, my, my only problem is that I have rehearsal every night, so Stop we'll figure it out. Rehearsal. Okay, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Anyway, um, thank you guys very much for joining us. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us yeah, for the first time. Um, and we will end this by the way we always do. Hello well, and welcome, welcome to the Ace of Geeks podcast. Jared, if they want to email us, how can they do that? They should get us at A C E O F G E K S P O D C A S T I N G at gmail.com. Uh, uh, and the song is over. That's that's that was Ace of Geeks podcasting at gmail.com. I don't have <sighs> many. <laughs> I don't have many talents, but that's one of them. I found out <laughs> just then. <laughs> you can reach us on Facebook at the Ace of Geeks podcast. You can reach us on Twitter at the Ace of Geeks. We're on Instagram at Ace of Geeks. We're on Tumblr at aceofgeeks.tumblr.com. We're on Google Plus. Just look for the Ace of Geeks. Basically, search for the Ace of Geeks, and you'll find us. 
Search um, your ace of geeks. You know it to be true. Yes. Hey, Jairus, you know how we talked about they're building a new EU? You know what's yeah. one of the great things they're doing with that? What? They're releasing lots of books. Oh, my God. I don't have time to read them, though, and I can't find them. I don't want to pay hardback for these things. You know what you can do. What? You can go to audibletrial.com slash aceofgeeks and sign up for a free trial with audible.com. Oh, they have fantastic. hundreds and hundreds of books that I, you can listen to really right now. I really hope for this bit to work that they will eventually have the Star Wars books. I really so. hope they have the Star Wars books, too. <laughs> I have no idea what's in their life. Thanks for sponsoring us, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.